0: And welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast—a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. On today's show, Kyrie Irving's back stance and the future of post-COVID sport. A wrap-up of the world's richest horse race and the men's T20 World Cup has kicked off. So we're going to give a bit of an explainer on how things are playing out differently this time around. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Marley Silva and as always, I'm joined by my babbling, bumbling band of baboons. <laughs> Kiwi Silva and Georgia Ball. Girls, how are we? Confused, first off. Do you not know where the quote is from? It is Professor McGonagall. It's Harry Potter. Harry oh. Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, to be precise, when they are practising for the dance at the Yule Ball. You would have known. I Julie knew Silla. straight away. Yeah.
1: Familiar, now that you say it, but I'm not sure that it would be one of my personal go-to Harry Potter quotes.
0: I feel like we said it a lot when that film came out.
2: Yeah, but we're also nerds when it comes to Harry Potter. Well, anyway, away from the Harry Potter chat, girls, how is was your week? <laughs> Me? Yeah, You. <laughs> I can't get over how much I can't take you seriously when you read the intro. I can't take. That. I have to dead set cover my eyes.
0: I know. <laughs> and now that people, now that we have a bit more video content, the people can see how Oi. much I have to deal
2: with every week. You, yeah, righto, whatever. Um, I had a great week. It, so it great. was Freedom Week, which yes. is really exciting. I went through my first day of head noise post lockdown hangover was brilliant yeah. I actually yeah I
0: tell you what but I'm you handled it of quite well because I didn't think you were that hungover but it was only you saying that you felt quite unwell Monday that I was yeah. like a, you know I was impressed
2: yeah I dealt with it on my own yeah
0: I'm good. a big girl yeah nice yeah G Moore how was your week
1: yeah week was good not heaps to report obviously physically mentally emotionally preparing for freedom week down here um but otherwise not much to report I also have
2: my Washington Capitals jersey on.
0: Yes, which the people will be able to see. Yeah, <gasps> of course, absolutely. Well, thanks for asking. Once again, girls, my week. Was oh, great. sorry. <laughs> um, How was your week? My week was awesome. Wow. How good is eating out? It was. It's delicious. I really. You know what we need to do this week? What? Go out for breakfast. Yeah. Because we haven't done that. True, we should do that. And, um, yeah, we had a very fun Saturday we're going to talk about later in the show. Yes. But before we get to all of that great stuff,
2: Keely, I think we've got to kick off with our first segment. I think that's a good idea, Marley. (laughs) Feedback feels with kids. So, um, feedback this week. Thanks again for coming. Really appreciate it. Um, I got some fun ones from mainly friends of the show. Which nice. is nice. nice, yeah, nice. Um, a few funny ones from Friday night and Saturday night when we were out on the P1 double fire. <laughs> um, first of all, shout out to little Ella Gould. Marley, she spoke to you actually. What did yes.
0: you say? It's a tiny bit blurry, but we were standing at a table <laughs> in Norby's our place of worship in God's country. And she said, oh, Marley, I just have to say, like, I was telling Keely, I love chicks and balls. I love listening to you guys. Yeah, she's loyal. She's I think loyal. that's what she said. Ella, please correct us if you're listening.
2: Yeah, I don't she know. will. She'll I know it was positive later. and it was nice. Come Saturday, we're at the Clovelly Hotel in the eastern suburbs and um, a lovely friend, Harry Barsdell, who actually named himself the Big Hazard. um, <laughs> This is a quote that he wanted to be read out. I was absolutely frothing when the girls got to the Chloe because they got up at the races. Yeah,
0: nice, yeah. nice.
2: And he said, please read that on the podcast.
0: Yes, and he was telling us how he absolutely loved our episode from a little while back with Kurt DeLewis. He was disappointed, though, because he could have listened to us talk to Kurt for four hours.
2: Yeah, and he was like, oh, you cut him off short. And I was like, he had dinner. And
0: also, man, we got other things to talk about. That's why yeah. we have halftime huddles now, so we can cut, you know, get more of that
2: in. Maybe we can get Kurt on again. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and lastly, uh, a big shout out to Mitch Parker, friend of the show, Na- name of, name of feedback feels, um, Yes, gives me feedback every week. What a guy. Yeah. So Nathan Walker is a kid from the Shire, mm. right? The first Australian to be drafted in the NHL. He what? went to Kiriwee High. I did know this. Did you? I did know this. I didn't. I didn't know his name, but I did know okay. this a guy from Kiriwee. Well. Shout out to him, that's hectic. Yeah. Um, and good fun fact for me, because I didn't know that, and he won the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. What? Anyway, thanks, Mitch, for that, because I actually had no idea, so it was a good little thing for me to learn. Um, and at the moment, he's actually con- contracted to St. Louis. Yeah, sure, that could be a thing. I don't <laughs> know. Anyway, <laughs> it's really cool because I go for the Caps, so that was just a fun fact. I have a
0: bit of feedback that is directed at you, G-Moore, um, from, again, another... OG loyal listener, um, Gab Crotty, Miss Crotty. She's becoming a teacher, so I feel like I want to call her Miss Crotty. Okay. Um, she loved that you, oh, G's got it up in her hands because she knew. But so Gab had a message earlier in the week after listening to last week's episode talking about how um, she loved that G more knew that Tyson Fury's brother was on Love Island UK and that was like an important connection and um, blah 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 and I had said to her yep, G is our pop culture queen she keeps us in, on track with this sort of stuff and now she wanted to know G, what are your thoughts on Love Island Australia this season? Um,
1: in news surprising nobody trash I watched the first episode I, look, I feel like I should give it a bit more time maybe do a bit of a binge catch up one night this week or on the weekend it's just not good and it makes me feel secondhand embarrassed for Australians I feel like it portrays us really poorly and they simply don't put the same budget behind it yeah so I'm sorry but trash but in saying that I need to give the people a bit more time probably so I'll I'll come
2: back to you see and I'm just going to be blatantly honest here I watched five minutes of it last night and I lost all my brain cells that's all (laughs) Yeah, see, I didn't even make it to last night's episode.
1: Well, I, I, haven't, watched I haven't watched The it. first two episodes and that's... Oh, yeah, okay. It was anyway. on
2: after the block and we all just didn't really move off the lounge. And yeah. I was like, oh, is this what it is? Look, <laughs> they're no
1: Molly Mae and Tommy TNT Fury, I'll tell you that much, for free.
2: Is that the end of Feedback Feels With Kills? And that's the end of Feedback Feels With Kills. Thanks, Marlene.
0: Now it's time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds where we dive into the biggest headlines in sports media from the week gone by. And after what feels like a lifetime, the NBA season is finally back with first games kicking off Wednesday Australian time. So by the time you're hearing this, we will actually know the result of our own King, Paddy Mills, in his first game for the Nets. The Nets are looking good. Oh, they look good. But while we're going to be talking quite a bit about them in this segment, they're going to come up against the defending champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's going to be a tough one. Um, And that game will be followed by a blockbuster at the Staples Centre in L.A., where the Lakers will take on G's favourite... Steph Curry and his Golden State Warriors. But before we can even get into what's happening on the court or see anything happening on the court, there's been plenty to keep us busy in the lead up, including what's been going on with Kyrie Irving. If you haven't heard, and if you didn't know, he's actually born in Australia, Kyrie Irving. He has been benched from the Brooklyn Nets side as a result of his staunch opposition to getting vaccinated against COVID-19. With the health orders in place in New York City requiring all professional athletes to be vaccinated if they plan to play and train at home this season, his decision to not vax has actually cost him his start. Originally, the Nets had tried to look at different options to have him train in different facilities, stay separated from his teammates in non-game time, and even considered flying him on a different plane to away games. But after further consideration, the Nets said they would not put the team in a situation where Irving was part-time and only playing in games outside of New York. So Irving is quoted as saying, once again, I'm not going to repeat this. This is not about the Nets. This is not about the organisation. It's not about the NBA. It's not about politics. It's not any one thing. It's just about the freedom of what I want to do. Teammates such as Kevin Durant and James Harden have come out in support of the Nets' decision to keep Irving out of play for the betterment of the team, and the administration has said it will welcome him back with open arms quote, under the right circumstances, so i.e. he changes his mind or the health order in New York changes. Girls, let's start here because there's a few different layers to this story and it speaks to the bigger post-COVID or, you know, during COVID era of sport. What do we think?
1: Um, massive. Kyrie is a seven-time All-Star. He's an All-Star MVP. He was Rookie of the Year in his draft year. Like, he's a big loss for the Nets, on and off the court Mm. um not that i know him personally off the court but what i can gather he's like a massive you know team man and culture man um i don't disagree with the decision though i i mean i think wherever you stand on the vax thing or on new york's laws and all of those things the decision to keep someone isolated from a team like that i could never get behind like regardless of what the reason was for so i think that's only fair to his teammates and probably to the person who will take his spot. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's certainly making for an interesting preseason. And, you know, Kyrie's always been really outspoken on a lot of social issues on women's rights, on reproductive rights, on gay rights, on like the women in basketball, all of these things. Like he's never shied away from these conversations. So it doesn't surprise me that he's the person having these conversations now, Mm. but yeah, he keeps sort of declining to talk about it in presses. To he's just sort of a next question kind of guy. I think that
0: there there's a level of being a responsible person in in that not, you know, taking the questions or, or not talking about it further because, you know, I am someone who is is proudly vaccinated and understand it as a something that, you know, keeps people safe and whatever. But I respect someone who's making this decision and not pushing on it pushing it on anyone else. So I think that him kind of being like, I'm not going to make this well, try and not make it as big a deal do you reckon? Yeah, and I disclaimer, also proudly vaccinated
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I hardly think he would be the guy that wants to make this his cause or his legacy either like, you know, if he's making this choice for himself and for whatever reason, I don't have to agree with it, but like you said the fact that he's not out there spreading misinformation or encouraging others not to get vaccinated or like, you know, talking about it and making it his point of individuality yeah i can respect that
2: yeah absolutely keely yeah i agree i can yeah definitely get around that side of things but um i think in a bit of a scary way scary is probably not the right word it's sparking up a bit of a conversation for sports elsewhere now mm. and what you know that's going to look like going into 2022 and i actually i'm not really sure what it's going to look like but i i think um the, the nba and, and the nets themselves i, I back their decision 100%. It's the only thing that makes sense in my head.
0: Yeah, so a few weeks ago we actually spoke about the fact that the NBA, NFL and I think the NHL also have all come out and said that they support and are pursuing vaccine mandates for their players and administration staff and – we had, I think we got a bit confused at the time and thought that some of that had been accepted and, and rolled out, but a lot of the players' unions have come out and don't want that to happen um, and have kind of been up in arms saying it's taking away personal choice and freedoms. Um, so that's none of that's actually in play at the moment, but it is a really interesting and exactly what you said, Keely, sparking this conversation in every sporting context, I think around the world. How do we get back to normal, especially because such a big part of this getting out of lockdown and getting freedom is getting people back to sporting events. And you have to be vaccinated to go to these as it currently stands, at least in New South Wales. We can use that as that example. So, you know, the kind of um, really easy thing to say off the back of that is, should, so should the people that, well, we have to, that, that we're watching.
2: That's what I was going to say. I think my really na- naive opinion is, well, everyone needs to be vaccinated. That's it. Done deal. Yeah. And that's how I feel most of the time anyway. Um, and, yeah, I know, I don't know, it's really hard. It <laughs> it's is. really hard.
0: It's hard when you get into the ethics of it, right, of forcing people to make a decision that's ultimately about their health and their body. Yeah. that it open, it, I Yeah, think it is. Fear, it's ethical. The fear is that it opens the floodgates. Yeah. <sighs> so speaking about the context back here at home, it's undoubtedly going to become a really common story and we've seen something similar in the last couple of days come out out of the AFLW, actually, of all places, as Adelaide Crows AFLW player Denny Varnhagen, who's actually a registered nurse, she informed the club she will not be getting vaccinated. So the AFL is yet to finalise. Uh, vaccination policy but the Victorian government's requirement about a range of workers which includes footballers needing to be vaccinated came into effect actually last Friday. So most Victorian clubs have confirmed their AFLW programs are all compliant with the government, vaccine protocols and players have been cleared to train and play. And so yes this news breaks about this AFLW player and then obviously the bigger conversation about the AFL pursuing vaccine mandates is out in the public and Tom McDonald from the D's actually has come out with a really interesting statement that I'll read to you. I'm vaccinated and most players would have been, but to be honest, I think it's ethically wrong to force people into a medical procedure. I think we would have got to 90% as a state anyway. I don't see why we need to... I don't see... I don't see why we need to cause such issues and divisions by forcing people in many jobs where it's probably not as necessary. I understand aged care and health care, but I feel it's a bit of a, a bit
2: heavy-handed at the moment. So, I think I completely understand the you can't force someone to do something they want to do. I get that and I, I agree and I support that and that's fine. But I think it's going to be hard for people in situations who uh, have a close family member or a close friend who is going through chemotherapy and can't afford to be unwell. But at the end of the day, playing professional sport is their job so they have to go to work. But if someone... I just think those kind of situations or like if someone's an anaphylactic, they can't get the vaccine unless they go through their specialist and check things and whatnot. But there are specific circumstances where some people with immunocompromised, yeah, can't actually get the vaccination, which sucks for them. I've spoken. I have friends who are in that situation and they're very scared, but they feel good knowing that we're going to go into that herd immunity kind of thing because that's the law at the moment. So I think, I I understand where he's coming from and I understand that standpoint of it. But I'm also like, "Mm, if that was me and I had someone who I was living with, like I want to protect them. And in my head, I'd be like, would it not make sense for everyone to be protected? Mm. I don't know.
1: I think it's hard for us to have this conversation, obviously, without going right into the... Which is so hard to go into Like keeping it sport related, like, you know, this isn't a vaccination podcast, but... (laughs) At the same time, I think what will come into play in Australia, we touched on briefly before that if the people in the stands have to be vaccinated, surely that means the people in the field or the court do as well. My worry here is that many Australians, specifically on the East Coast, have been so restricted for such an extended period of time now and watched these professional athletes get exemption after exemption and travel and move about the country in order to continue doing what they love. And rightly so, it's kept a lot of us sane and a lot of us entertained for the better part of the last two years. So I don't disagree with how the states and the nation have gone about keeping sport afloat. That aside... I think you will start getting some very frustrated individuals who maybe weren't super keen on the vaccine, but did it because they thought it was the right thing to do or because they wanted to go back to work and maybe had lost work or whatever. And now, you know, the government has very strongly encouraged them. And maybe their employer also has given them an ultimatum. They've now gone and got vacc- vaccinated they want to go to the G on a Friday night to watch footy and someone who didn't lose any work throughout this time period and was flown around crossing borders and seeing family and doing all of these things is able to be in that same venue doing their job unvaccinated. Mm. So I just think that for as long as the rules for me to go back to my office job, Mm. If I want a job at my current employer on Feb1, if I'm not vaccinated, I no longer have one. So that, like, and, you know, I'm not tackling my colleagues all day and sweating with them and all those sorts of things. So some would say it's a lower risk. Mm. But I just think as long as the laws stand for everyone, all workers, I think you're going to start getting into some really murky waters if you start providing further exemptions on top of what they've already had to athletes yep. and like I said I don't disagree with the exemptions that they'd have that they have had over the past two seasons but I think you're going to get some frustrated punters if they start getting more you've absolutely hit the nail, in my on opinion the head. And so that's, well <laughs> that's the
0: most perfect point and I think one that, that has to be at the forefront of the administrator's mind because the other element of this is the fact that these sports are businesses, which we often talk about, and a lot of revenue has been lost over COVID like every other industry, and they want to get more and more people back to games and also ensure that the sport's not going to shut down if someone contracts the disease. So Yeah, that's going to be the hard it's part. Be. It's, yeah. it's a safety protocol. also
1: need to think about clubs are built up of more than just players, yes. so they are, you know, More people than players at each club rocking up to an office job Monday to Friday to work in the front of house. Then there's your physios and your club doctors who are healthcare professionals. Mm -hmm. So it's a mandate for them. So there are so many more people involved in the club than just the, you know, 30-odd players. So, like, you know, if it's a mandate for your physio and it's a mandate for your CEO because they're an office job and a healthcare professional, where do they sit in the middle of that?
0: And I think it's also you know, probably relevant for us to talk about the fact that we were, I think, a bit hesitant to talk about the vaccine element. um, It's already a hard conversation. For for a long time because we're not, you know, Keely, yeah, works in the health sector, but we're not. Oh, yeah, I need it. You know, we're not. (laughs) I need the vaccine. But we're not experts. No, no, absolutely not. And just from that perspective, I think at the end of the day, they're they're companies that are are probably going to make a decision that's, the safest for them to continue to be able to operate. I think that's probably what's going to happen, but there's going to be a lot of backlash and I think it's going to come, you know, potentially I'm interested to see what happens when a high profile player in this country comes out and says, I'm not doing it. We saw what happened last year with, you know, Bryce Cartwright and that becoming such a massive thing in the NRL. um, And it could cause division and it could, you know, break down relationships in teams. Like who knows? This is stuff people are really passionate about.
1: Well, I think we have this conversation often like you said it will be interesting to see if a more high profile player in if we're being realistic one of the men's codes comes out and speaks against it but at the end of the day whether you're Denny from the AFLW or (laughs) not going to drop a high profile name player (laughs) because I don't want to associate any of them unwillingly but a higher name NRL or AFL player your leverage once again within your sport doesn't even scratch the surface of the leverage that a Kyrie Irving has at the Nets. So it's going to be something as much as there's blueprints being provided internationally, like, No, Kyrie could sit back on his hands now and not work another day the rest of his life. And if he wanted to take up that option, could probably fly his own private jet around to games if need be. Like the leverage of an Australian athlete versus what's happening in America is just going to be a really different conversation.
2: Absolutely. makes me feel a bit annoyed or anxious about what is going to happen and all that stuff. Like you think you cross one bridge and we start to get freedom back and there's something
0: else. And like, I think... God, yeah, who knows what's actually going to happen, but I can tell you one very positive thing that we should be very proud of, Killy Silver. The Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs are the first team in the NRL that has required all its staff and players to be vaccinated. Yeah, that's pretty bloody good. Snaps. snaps They also have a vaccine hub at Belmore Sports Ground, so good work, dogs. Because (laughs) they're in a LGA that was in completely ravaged by COVID and in the
2: hardest and a of of, lockdowns. a lot of the local fans would have had family, friends yeah. affected older massively. Older family, older population.
0: Yeah. So really cool on that front. But
1: anyway, be interesting. To see and that. also important to note, like this is a job for athletes. There's plenty of people out there who are going to lose jobs based on yeah. their vaccine preferences. And I don't think it would be any different to sport yeah. at the end of yeah. the day.
2: Over the weekend at the biggest event ever, since the most recent lockdowns in New South Wales, 10,000 punters dusted off their best suits and frocks and turned out at Royal Randwick for the richest horse race on earth, the Everest. So Marley and I were there. Uh, Miles, how did you find it? How was the atmosphere? Talk to us. It was bloody delicious walking in there just all the i've
0: never seen so many happy
2: people yeah i think that's what got me yes instant happiness because everyone's so happy
0: it was so (laughs) joyous and i think a lot of people it was them catching up with mates from different lgas for the first time lots of hugs everyone we saw was like giving us hugs and um it was unreal We sang. We sang. (laughs) We danced.
2: Yes. (laughs) On the grass.
0: On the grass. So for the actual racing itself, um, Nature Strip, who was the favourite in the big race. Yes, which
2: is just a bit of a guru because neither of us backed them.
0: I don't usually back the favourite. Beautiful horse, but absolutely stunning horse. Nature Strip won the big one, the Everest itself. Molly, how'd you go on the punt? I I went all right on the punt. Did you? First time in my life. I got up. I got in the green about two hundred thousand. No, just two hundred dollars. If it was two hundred thousand, I wouldn't be here. Just so you know. Thanks to Keely because she's our betting queen who always gets up at the races. I do. Um, so I appreciate <laughs> her supporting me. I do have to give out a shout out to my friend Dean. Yes, he also with. gave some. Good he ones. was very good on giving tips, and he um, was
2: actually going to take a commission of my winnings. <laughs> <laughs> I had tips from. Two people.
0: Yeah. yeah. Good but, ones. I mean, aside from that part of it, I think the reason we wanted to talk about this um, is because it's always a big part of the year. We've got the Melbourne Cup in a couple of weeks, which we'll now be able to have people go along too. Um, and it sort of always raises a lot of questions this time of year, right? Um, what are – and we've just been speaking a lot about morals and ethics in the COVID vax kind of realm. <laughs> and we're getting there again. It's a bit of a therapy session for ourselves, I think, this one how do we navigate and be honest with ourselves around the fact that there is this not so glamorous and not so nice part of horse racing that's not only in terms of animal welfare but we do have a pretty big gambling problem in this country that is is dangerous and whatever so You know, we we were singing Sweet Caroline. We were getting very invested in someone like the Oracle herself, Lizzie Jelfs, who we learnt about, who is a sky racing expert who like watches the horses as they walk around before they race and gives her tips on who's gonna win and all this sort of stuff. And she was quite successful. Yeah,
2: but based on what they look
0: like and how they're walking. Amazing. Like we're like, oh my god, this woman is unreal and loving this, that, and the other, but also going, man. How do we separate this? And and what is the truth when it comes to how horses are treated and, and whether this is the thing that, you know, should be the first thing that we have out of lockdown? Like that was – it was given this exemption to have 10,000 people instead of the 3,000 cap that now exists. So I've been grappling with this over the last couple of days. That's why I put it in for this episode. What, how do we feel about it? Jay, do you go to the cup? I have not been to the Melbourne Cup,
1: but I – definitely been to i mean there's the whole spring carnival down here so stakes day is always a good one but um yeah certainly been to many race days in my time not the cup though the cup like it's the most crowded and most popular and like almost the least fun one i can imagine if you're being like unless you're like up in the suites and stuff um, not a great one for the peasants
0: (laughs) and and how do you feel about racing
1: complicated i would say it like you said it's a interesting one because yeah first and foremost the gambling problem in australia is like out of control but in saying that people will always find something to gamble on whether it's the bachelor or any other sport um yeah it's a tricky one and it's probably to be honest not something I really give a lot of thought until you start seeing the nut to the cup hashtags and this time of year every year I don't know it's a hard one for me too like I'm not vegan I probably own more leather than I should like all of those things so I think it's like a complicated conversation to have as it is and then becomes more complicated when you start engaging in that conversation with people who sit in the same boat as me and aren't holistically animal yeah. devoted and own leather and aren't vegan and all those sorts of things so yeah yeah i don't know
2: what about you keely well of course i feel sad for the horsies. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I I will definitely. I love animals. I yeah. don't want to step stand on the ants. Like, but at the end of the day, drunk Keely was did not care on the weekend. So I'm an idiot. <laughs> You're like, like with the horse. No, kick, kick, kick. No, um, I'm 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 stupid. But yeah. I do. It makes me sad. That's why I just go. I'm just not gonna think about it. So then yeah. I don't get sad. So it's interesting because I am.
0: Someone who has a lot of opinions who shares them quite freely. freely. And I'm. And you're a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) All right. So I'm not even like the full way, but I talk about this stuff. And so people have often commented to me that they're surprised that I would not be a like anti horse racing person. And I think that for me, it's about how being economic with your emotions and the social issues that you pour yourself into. So there's a lot of, I, you know, do a lot of work with some nonprofits and and that sort of stuff and am quite focused on like human social issues, right. That I put a lot of work into. So for me, it's about going, you know, I put a lot of effort into that and I, that's where my, I kind of spend my emotions and passion and nagging people about things. So, when it comes to a Saturday where I get to dress up and drink with my friends and have fun and it happens to be at a race course, I can change my hat to just be someone who's having fun and being a punter. Mm. So that's for me. And I think it was important for each of us to express what our personal views are and where we sit, because I would like anyone listening who's grappling with this to not feel guilty about participating in this stuff, especially after two years of absolute rubbish with COVID. If this is your opportunity to go and ha- out and have fun, I don't think it makes you a bad person. And I also have a few experts who back you up in not being a bad person well, in this. No, back us up. But also, some of the horses are treated beautifully. This is what I'm about to tell okay. you. So. Candida Baker is the president of horse welfare charity Equus Alliance and she has been rehoming thoroughbreds for several decades but doesn't think boycotting the Melbourne Cup is the answer. She's quoted as saying, "Nup to the cup is some people's way of saying horse racing is cruel and that's fair enough but it's a bit short-sighted because so many people in the horse racing industry do love their horses and want the industry to be better. I believe thoroughbreds love to run and I love I've seen racehorses that are incredibly well looked after and go on to have great lives. I've also seen the other side where horses have been abandoned and killed and that's ghastly. So I feel very conflicted. So this is someone who is like it's her job to look after horses who said that. And then there's a moral philosopher by the name of Matt Beard from the Ethics Centre and – Um, He's an ABC everyday columnist. This is where I got his quote from. Uh, He says the first step when we are weighing up this and how we should react to it is to do our own research. So make sure you've got a clear picture of the industry as a whole. As awful as a single story can be, you need to be sure that it's representative of the whole issue. Otherwise, you're acting without all the facts, which is always a recipe for a bit of a disaster. So that gave me a bit of comfort, right? And I had been reading um, some numbers and the most recent statistics that I could find was in the 2018-2019 racing season across Australia, 122 horses were killed on track after injuries during a race. And I think it's got a little bit higher in the last year. So that's an important number to remember and recognize this well. But yeah, I, I think... Hearing that sort of stuff and also exactly as you were saying,
2: Healy, a lot of these horses are really well looked after because they make people a lot of money. So, And then obviously the actual trainers themselves. They've grown up training horses and loving horses, so I can only imagine they would treat them. And I have heard interviews with some of them who adore them like we adore our dogs. So I know that in I'd like to think in most of the situations the horse would have someone like that about them, but obviously – whoever's making the big decisions may not be that kind
1: yeah as well, i own horses so like i'd love them yeah. obviously and have grown up around them and grown up at the races and with family members who own race horses and stuff like that and i think what um candida said about thoroughbreds being born to run is also something that you need to weigh up and it's interesting we use animals in so many different workplaces as police horses as police dogs as horses are used for cattle farms and all different sorts of farming and like dog racing and all of those things and i think there's for sure some people out there who are anti every single one of those facets equestrian at the olympics like all of these things but yeah i think looking at the whole big picture is really important and you know if that is choosing not to bet on it or not to attend and all of those sorts of things i think it's just one of the important ones where you do make sure that a lot of your values align with that and that you don't sort of just rock up for the hashtag one day a year yeah. when it rolls around um which you know we see in heaps of different social causes yeah. but yeah it certainly is a tricky one and i would never judge anyone for sort of falling on either side of that argument i don't think because you know it's a part of our country as well like australia is so well known for you the industry and yeah i think as well like we can probably take comfort in the idea that it is investigated far more thoroughly now than it ever has been before and um the welfare of the animals like you looked at the big um investigation into the greyhounds racing not that long ago like they're certainly weeding out the people in the industry who shouldn't be there so if nothing else, take comfort in that. Yeah,
0: and I think, I mean, I have to say, we've had two controversial I know, um, I feel tired about topics it. already <laughs> around the grounds, but I, I think the point is to open these discussions and I think it's just discussions that a lot of people are having at the moment. So it's just about contributing to that, not telling you one way or the other, but also making you feel like you're not alone in it. And I don't judge anyone who says, I hate horse racing, I think it's despicable and it makes me sick so I don't go anywhere near it. I don't judge you, I respect you totally. But I I think it's just about respecting everyone's side of this and and not attacking people if they don't, you know, align with you on this particular issue. And also I just have to say that the philosopher saying
1: do your own research about horse racing does not apply to the first topic (laughs) of vaccinations.
0: Two very different things. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And to wrap up today's Around the Grounds, we want to talk about cricket, all right? The men's T20 World Cup is back and underway, being played across the UAE and Amman after being moved from India as a result of COVID-19, of course. So for cricket fans, it's been a long wait. Five years since the last T20 World Cup, obviously delayed because of the the aforementioned pandemic. And the experts are apparently feeling pretty good about where the Aussies are sitting. Although there's been some disappointing losses this year for the team, they are set to compete with a full-strength side. Firstly, girls, are you cricket fans and will you be tuning in? G Moore. Look, I'm going to be careful with the way I use the word fan
1: because I don't want to fool anyone into thinking I'm devoted to cricket. Right. I am not. However, napping and eating and being hungover in front of the Boxing Day Test has to be one of my favorite days of the entire year. Nice. So, yes and no. I take interest in Australian sports. I take interest in our Aussie team. Anything international, of course. If it's on, I'll watch it. But I can't say that I'm devoted to keeping up with the year's movements of cricket.
0: Yep. All right. Well, Keely, I know you have a different perspective, particularly around the T20. Yeah, T20
2: is the best best game. Yep. When it comes to cricket. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> not the best game, no, 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 no. Not the best game. I'm also not... Better like, than Big Bash? Nah. Oh, yeah, sorry. So, not no, the best game. Sorry. Big, yes. Big <laughs> bash. I'm really tired. I'm sorry. I love the Big Bash. I love T20. Day tests can actually... Pop in the bin. Yeah. Kiwi was not (laughs) gonna say that. She was definitely gonna say something a bit different. (laughs) No, yeah. I'm not about test match, don't care for it. See you never. But T20, get around it. So good. So about it. Love going, so much fun. Yes. I'm not that I've been to the World Cup, but the Big Bash. Yeah, all about it.
0: I have had an evolution as a a cricket fan. I may have touched on this on the podcast already. Used to be a big hater, but I why would you hate it? just thought it was the most boring game on earth. Well, that's, that's why I hate the test matches. That's because Dad used to just watch oh, the, we'd have the, he'd the test make, matches. And he'd make us sit yeah. there and watch it. And I'd be
2: like, this And is he'd so make us watch old ones, Remember which is just ridiculous. And at school, we had to go to the library and watch The Ashes.
0: I don't remember that actually. I remember remember going to school to watch the Melbourne Cup. I feel like for our generation as well,
1: all these different variations of cricket weren't as widely covered. So our introduction was test matches and test matches only. As a kid, very boring. And I was always so confused as to why there were two batters out at one time. Yeah, because like backyard cricket, that's not how
2: it works.
0: Thank you. And I, I just, Six and out. Why you out? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I remember, like, being so shocked when they have tea time. In a test match. Yeah. I mean, like, what kind of sport is this? Like, why are they having tea time? <laughs> Breaking for snacks? Yeah. Uh, but Hilarious. But anyway, I. Th- you know what's actually interesting? After the ball tampering scandal is when I started to pay attention to cricket. Because I was like, oh. You love
2: controversy, A little mom. bit of drama. Naturally. Let's go. Who doesn't? And I also
0: was like, you're all carrying on for the ball tampering scandal and saying, like, oh, these cricketers are cricketers are meant to be role models for my kids and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, there's a bit of drama here. I can get around it. And then in the last couple of years, I've been to a big – I went to the Big Bash final this year, beginning of oh, this year. You're a legend. And I saw Ash Gardner. Oh, yeah. At, uh, no, I've told this story. But yeah. I saw her and she was like, what are you doing here? Because she knew that I didn't care about cricket. But it was unreal. And Is that all you have to say? No, <laughs> because I'm actually going to talk about the World Cup. <laughs> and anyway, forget us. Let's take us out of this situation. If you aren't a massive cricket person, if you're a bit of a cricket noob like we are, and we wanted to give a bit of an explainer of how this. If you're is an work. expert
2: in cricket, feel free to also tell us things well, that we don't know. Yes,
0: I have done my research. So
2: <laughs> if you're an expert in cricket, probably skip through because yeah. this is going to be painful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to uh, just explain because this was more for our benefit as well to tune into this world. Molly, read it. Not a lot of sport going on, Marley, so let's all Marley, around. Molly, read things. it. Alrighty. So, there's actually a different way that it's working this
2: year. Molly, read it. The early
0: games of the tournament have featured some smaller cricketing nations such as Papua New Guinea, Armand and Scotland. The format of this year's tournament is a little different, taking a total of 16 teams and splitting the fixtures into qualifying and super 12 stages. I love anything that has super in front of it, right? It sounds so much cooler. Super duper. All of which will lead into the final on November 15. So, the first week of the tournament is the preliminary qualifying stage where eight teams split into two groups play off to fill the last few spots in the main draw those groups are group a sri lanka the netherlands ireland and namibia and group b is bangladesh scotland amman and papua new guinea every team will play against each other in their group once and then go the two top teams go into the super 12 so these are where- i thought that sri lanka were really good at cricket to interject there Am I wrong in thinking that? I, think I was surprised to see them in these good. initial pools. They might just – so it's the top eight who are currently in – Maybe they can ninth. It's and and also top eighth ranking, so it could
2: be Sri Lanka is ninth. I know their women's me, teams very, very yeah, good. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, but – um, I can only imagine that T Twenty specifically compared to a yeah. test match would be different. As test well. matches because you want smart, yeah, because you want your big, you know, your big hitters and your fast bowlers and whatnot. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you.
0: So yeah, once we get to the Super Twelve, you got your teams that are synonymous with cricket: Australia, England, the West Indies, South Africa, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. And they split into two groups, and then it'll, after every team has played each other in their group, the top two teams from each group will progress into the semis, and then we get to the finals, et cetera, et cetera. So, Australia, they've just played a practice, a warm up match against New Zealand. They lost by, no, sorry, they won by three wickets, so it was pretty tight. Apparently, it looked pretty good, but David Warner wasn't quite at his best. I do sound like I know about cricket now, don't I?
1: Oh, <laughs> Warner. I want to interject here because after you said that we were going to talk about cricket, I did some reading. And by reading, I mean scrolling of Instagram. And Ed Cowan, who is a former Australian cricketer, said, If Australia are bundled out in the group stages, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, he's no longer the T20 captain. David Warner will probably never play in that format again
0: drama big dramas i feel like poor old davy warner speaking about all that stuff he's had a bit of a rough go hasn't he in the last couple of years hasn't yep. he cricket. Yeah, yeah cricket we
1: know about it did it shock anyone else how much the sandpaper scandal ball tampering scandal captivated the nation
0: it was enormous it was like the worst it was- thing ever
1: I know and I think like at the time I was sort of like this makes sense but upon reflection it dominated the news cycle for weeks so long. and it was all any it was kind of like I mean it was pre-covid but you know now how you're like oh, all anyone talks about is covid all anyone was talking about at the time was the ball tampering scandal exactly
0: exactly it was insane I know
1: Anyway, that's just my little I thought know,
0: bubble. I know, I, exactly. And see, that was where I started to think about cricket. But here we are, um, and here we are. And Keely's already bored of us trying to, to act like we know is what it is. What about? <laughs> uh, it's like anyway, Australia's first proper game will be on Saturday versus South Africa at nine p- nine p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight as Time. As a anyway. <laughs> We're going to wrap up this cricket chat and please come and roast us about not knowing about cricket. It's fine. We just want to learn. We've been more invested since they've been like such a
1: standout league in terms of social issues. Yes. and I, I think not
0: as invested as we maybe are about other sports. And I was definitely more invested in the Women's T20 World Cup when Katy Perry came and danced with pink cricket bats. Amazing. You the real MVP. Now it's time for a segment that we call MVPs, where each week we award someone or something our own personal MVP title for something
2: that they've done that's brought us a bit of joy. Oh, why are you throwing it back to the drama days? Keely, Lyra, Silver. What? So now we're telling people my middle name. Okay. <laughs> and do you want her pin number? <laughs> um, no. What's Who's your MVP? My MVP. <laughs> my MVP is... Rodney Rocket Silver. What? Yeah, right? Wild. Why? Yeah, because he was Ruber on the weekend. Oh, yeah, he was. Ruber is in Rodney Uber. Um, and he, after a very large day and evening, um, I stayed at a friend of the show, Gemma's house, and he picked me up, which is in the eastern suburbs.
0: Wow. On Sunday morning.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, he had touch training, so he's out and about. But it was massive because I woke up, Head noise. Wow. Did you have a little chanda? Um, I had a chanda when I got out of the Uber. (laughs) 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 When I got out of the Uber to walk into Gemma's, Um, Gemma stayed out later, so I went home by myself. And when I got out of the Uber, I was actually waiting for an Uber Eats driver to drop off a packet of chips. A (laughs) a packet of chips? And a water bottle, yeah oh you need some salt yeah i needed some salt <laughs> <laughs> and i was sitting there and i'm like yeah i think i'm gonna vomit right now anyway vomited oh wow yeah it was really heavy it was you know what it was it burnt because it was the fireball oh, shot oh you did a fireball shot a few i was only there when i did a tequila shot. no rory brownlee made me do fireball of course he did Yeah. um anyway i went inside this is the stories that we've missed on this podcast yeah can I just say? um ate my chibis knew how to get in happy days Yeah. But really, thank you to (laughs) Ruba. For picking me up in the morning. Five stars, five stars. Absolutely five stars. G-Moore, who's your MVP?
1: My MVP is twofold. They are players from the Chicago Sky who won the WNBA championship over the weekend. They beat Phoenix Mercury, convincingly. Yeah. So the first one is Kalia Cooper, who won MVP for the game. She was the number one draft pick in 2008. And this is not her first championship win, wow. but this many years later to still be MVP behavior, outstanding. Oh, nice. So, MVP for being MVP to Kalia. The second one is a duo, Lexi Brown and Diamond DeShields. And they put up the cutest um, how it started, how it finished, because they were played high school oh, basketball cool. together and now have like come through, come through the system, come through the NCAA and are now. WNBA champions together and it was just like such a sweet moment and I can't say that I probably paid enough attention to the final series as I would have liked to but the final I did watch and it was just so heartwarming. Chicago Sky are just so great and I loved it. Amazing
0: that's so good. Well my MVP um, was actually some soccer players in the EPL the players for Newcastle United and Tottenham stopped mid-game because One of them saw a spectator in the crowd having a medical emergency. Um, And so literally, if you go and Google the footage, it's pretty amazing to watch, you know, a really serious EPL match with a massive crowd stop and then just point into the crowd and like direct the ref to where it was happening and and get people in there to get them out and, you know, potentially might have even saved this person's life. I don't think there was an update on what actually happened there. Interesting as well and probably good for the PR of Newcastle United because if you're not around it, there's been a lot of controversy about their new major – sorry, majority owner um, being – connected to a Saudi, Saudi Arabian prince um, who has some like really dodgy human rights kind of stuff um, in his background, which is not that MVP behavior, but <laughs> back to what they actually did. They potentially saved this guy's life and like very well spotted in the middle of the game. So kudos to them. Woo. now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we recommend what sport, event or even a Netflix show you should be watching for the week ahead. Oh. I'm going to start. Can you not do it like that? I like it like that, to be honest. Give us feedback if you don't like it. My one to watch is actually one to read that I haven't read yet, but I'm going to get around it and I'm, you know, suggesting that other people maybe do it as well. You've probably seen a bit of the press around the new book out by the one and only Sonny bill williams it's called you can't stop the sun from shining the reviews are really interesting and he does a, it's a very much a tell-all he talks about you know back when he's playing rugby league and there was the big drama when he broke our hearts and left the bulldogs um you know his conversion to islam and some of the islamophobia that he faced in doing that which is i think really interesting uh, his old days as a, as a bit of a party boy and, and turning that around. And I think, yeah, it just all sounded really, really interesting and I'm going to get around it and maybe we have a bit of a Chicks and balls book po- book club and everyone can tell me what they think as well.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sweet.
0: Um, Georgia Moore, what's your one to watch? Mine
1: is an – I'm wondering now if maybe it wasn't a great one because it's actually quite hard to find on the internet. However, I'm also shocked at myself that I haven't recommended this earlier. Outsiders is a documentary about the Western Bulldogs and their run to their 2016 premiership win. It came out in 2017. I think you're going to have to do some like deep diving on the internet to find where you might be able to stream it. However... Friend of the show, Ryan Pappenhausen, recommended this to me years ago. And we watched it and were just, like, enthralled and obsessed with it and the Bulldogs at the time. Um, And it's just – I love it when teams foresee – greatness coming so hire a documentary (laughs) through like that's just the best thing ever to me so uh, if you don't know like the Bulldogs sort of lost their captain and their coach and a couple of really key players in the years leading up to their 2016 flag win so it sort of followed them through that journey the Bob Murphy injury and then eventually their flag which is obviously amazing but if you're missing AFL and Bulldogs content I would recommend following Bailey Smith on Instagram and then I would recommend <laughs> Diving the Internet to Find the Outsiders documentary.
2: Love it. My one to watch is a one to listen and it's going to be our halftime huddle, which is going to get released next Monday. Um, and it's with Finay Cooler, who is a, an absolute legend, friend of mine, um, member of the Sharks family, Cronulla Sharks. Um, and yeah, it's a really good
0: chat. Yeah, he's a great guy and I think will he'll inspire you to you know, focus on the good stuff in your life and get a bit of perspective. I think that's what we felt coming out of that, correct? Yes,
2: sir. Yes, sir. Well, that brings us to the end of our 33rd episode. Shut up. Would you bloody believe it? But we're
0: actually at the end of our time together. I feel like I sound like a children's presenter. Don't a do bit. that. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, even despite my very strange voices today and some of the chaos and even having controversial topics. We've had it all in this episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. If you are still managing to like it, thank you for starters and make sure that you are Subscribed wherever you're listening. If it is on Apple Podcasts, hit the big purple subscribe button and give us a five star rating if you really, really like it. If it's on Spotify, hit follow. Check out our Chicks and Balls official pump up and country music playlists. Check us out on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod, on TikTok at Chicks and Balls Pod, and on Twitter at Chicks and Balls no Pod. Yes. <laughs> Winner. <laughs> Other than that, our DMs are open. We love chatting with you. And um, I guess we'll just catch you
2: next time. And, and I guess we'll just leave it there. Okay. We'll just end the episode. We'll just leave it there. We'll end it right there. We'll just right there. Okay. A little bit more. I get last say this week. <laughs> Bye. See you. See you. Bye. <laughs>